Welcome to Paddling Adventures Radio. I'm Sean Rowley, and with me... <laughs> <laughs> Leave me hanging. Leave me hanging. With me is Derek Spesh. Hello. How's it going, Derek? It's like, I was like, what was he doing? Did he forget my name? Oh, no, I was just waiting for it. Waiting for it. I was just going to see if you would. You were just going to jump in and say before I finished it. <laughs> my mouth is open. I'm ready to go hello, and it's like... Should have thrown something at you. <laughs> and joining us this evening, all the way from the little dotted line that we call the border, a little bit south of that, is John Van Berger. How you doing, John? I'm okay. How you doing? Not too shabby. <laughs> you were waiting you too, weren't name. you? I got my name. I'm glad. Yeah. <laughs> um, let's see. Ooh, February 25th already. Wow. Isn't that something? It's flying yeah. by. I know. Crazy. Just crazy. It's been busy. A little really busy couple. We got so much going on, like every every direction coming at us. Um, I will start the show on a bit of a Derek's lucky note. Uh-oh. What? Uh, my daughter's been wanting to get a couple of kittens. Oh, and the new course, HR department. We, the new <laughs> HR department's been here. Uh, we filled out applications for two cats, but... Apparently we missed out because somebody else was in line oh, before us. Oh, that. And the kittens' names were Dean and Derek. <laughs> the, hey, look, we got a new Derek for the show. It would have been so confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so what's happening, Derek? Meow. <laughs> Derek's been replaced by a cat. <laughs> Uh, no, now we've got Helios and Apollo. And I'm excited because we've been talking about hiring an HR department for five years now. <laughs> and that's I've our HR department. I've been waiting to lodge complaints about this joint. <laughs> and we finally have hired two cats to be our HR department to uh, protect my needs. And, and, <laughs> and when, you, when you were talking to them this evening, what were they doing in that bed up there they were snuggled together sound asleep <laughs> they were they were not interested but i think they just had shots today didn't they yeah they had so a couple they, of they shots were, they were down for the count yeah yeah and we're not talking shots of alcohol they're like vaccination shots yeah they're what five months old or something like that catsination shots catsination shots <laughs> so yes but oh i was so looking forward to yeah, we hired ourselves a new Derek. <laughs> He's shorter, hairier. <laughs> hairier version. Doesn't really speak the language. Yeah. <laughs> I've been denied all the jokes for the next 15 I know, years. Right? <laughs> <laughs> Cursed his. <laughs> uh, other than that, not like I say, it's just been a lot of work and work's going nutso and stuff around the house is going nutso and... Uh, slowly starting to put together a little bit of investigating into dry suits. Oh, are you? I think come spring. This I is will. the year? This is the year. 2021, the year that Sean finally bought a dry suit <laughs> and just gets to wear it around the house because yeah. we're not allowed to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> so far, I'm not at that point. I have, like, what I'll do is, uh, if there's a trip I'm going to go on where we're going to be, uh, it's spring trip or something uh, where I'm going to need it, then I'll, I'll kind of pull the trigger then. But, uh, it's, uh, I just don't see the need coming up in my future. Yeah. Well, I've been invited out on a couple of kayaking days. Yeah, there is that. Later in the, you know, like in November. Yeah. Or, 
And at that point, you're thinking, mm, yeah, yeah, I'm not going out in a, in a wetsuit. I keep turning down those offers with Ellen. It's like, uh, no, I'm not ready for cold water submersion yet. Yeah, and apparently nude is not a good idea either. <laughs> <laughs> it's not the fact that it's going to kill you if you go in. It's the fact that you shoe up nude. <laughs> <laughs> That's a four-season issue. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, I hear that if you use aerogel, it's a good insulator for either earth re-entry or in water. And so you just have a blue glowing shell around your body that's kind of liquid and uh, you could go naked and you won't be affected. It's like a waterproof coating. It's like a six foot tall Smurf. Yes, there you go. (laughs) (laughs) It's beardy Smurf. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, other than that, so nothing's going on with you. Nothing's going on with me. What about you, John? Anything exciting? Just uh, working like a beast. Like Um, a beast? What is your job anyways? (laughs) <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a salt miner actually beneath my house <laughs> we're not allowed to digging. talk about Derek's job anymore <laughs> so he brought it up <laughs> so we're bringing it up anyway just for anybody that wants to know we are no longer allowed to mention that Derek works at a quickie mart in a quickie mart yes <laughs> selling slurpees <laughs> that would be an honorable job the fans job. kept coming in that would be a very harassing honorable job him? yeah yeah all of our fans keep coming in harassing Derek uh, yeah, I yeah. know you, Mr. I'd paddling get, Guy. I get to eat all the day-old hot dogs. Uh, <laughs> let me tell you, when I first <laughs> started, <laughs> I worked at a Shell Circle K, oh. and mm. uh, which is basically like a 7-Eleven while I was going yep. through college. and So I'd work there nights and then go to school during the days. And uh, you get tired of that stuff <laughs> pretty quickly. <laughs> and I'm telling you right now, you never want to eat a burrito from a 7-Eleven. Ooh. <laughs> Ever. <laughs> Ever. I will tell you a story about me and my brother going on a canoe trip. Oh. After oh. he ate a burrito. Uh-oh. No. It's not safe for air. <laughs> Either on air or breathing air. <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You get tired of that stuff really fast. Well, I remember... In my college years, there's a gas station by the airport where my parents live, and you could stop in and you get three hot dogs for a dollar. Wow. That's the hot dog, the bun, all the condiments. I will say this right now. High quality, high quality. If you want (laughs) the best hot dogs in the entire world, go to Iceland. (laughs) They have the, the Icelandic hot dogs. Okay. They are good. Oh, mama. So what's different about them? Well, there's some lamb in it. Okay. And they put these fried onion things on top of it and the sauce yeah. that they use. Oh, yeah? It, yeah. It's, yeah. It, you, you don't get that here. None of it. And they don't, nobody and they're made out of here? The only, Icelandic pony. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I think I had that meatballs uh, made out of that when I was up there. Um, <laughs> but yeah, because they, you know, their ideas on horses and whales. Actually, they say whales when they hunt whales for food. It's for tourists only. The they don't ma- eat like themselves. The majority of the Icelanders, they don't eat whale. Mm. Huh. It's for it's for tourists. I always said I wanted to try puffin. And there was a restaurant that serves puffin. <laughs> 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 yeah, little guy go. Yeah, I ate one of them. <laughs> Tastes like chicken. Um, but uh, what were, oh, the hot dog. Yeah. 
the only thing that you can compare an Icelandic hot dog to like a North American hot dog is the fact that it comes in a bun. Okay. But the, the meat in the wiener itself and the stuff they put on top. Yeah. Far superior to it. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh, we were eating hot dogs left, right and center when we were there. How much is a hot dog? Wasn't very expensive. No. No, it was like a buck 52 bucks, something like that. So Yeah. But yeah, you want a hot dog? Go to Iceland. And while you're in Iceland, <laughs> go do some kayaking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Might need a dry suit. You'll need a dry suit. <laughs> so, hence we go back to our topic of, yeah, I'm sort Full of- Full circle. I've been sort of <laughs> <laughs> investigating dry suits. Why, you might ask. Because <laughs> Derek works at a quickie mart. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, what are we talking about? Oh, so we've talked about this fella before. Must be a couple of years back now. We would 2017, I bet you, was when we talked about him. Um, and it was pretty cool the fact that Alexander Doba, a 74 year old retired engineer, Polish adventurer who crossed the Atlantic three times by kayak, unaided. Has passed away climbing Kilimanjaro, Mount Kilimanjaro. His first big trip, he paddled 5,370 kilometers from his home in Poland to central Norway. That's the first big kayak trip he took. If that doesn't get you started in kayaking, I don't know what will. Uh, he first tackled the Atlantic at the age of 64 in 2003. A Polish professor contacted him uh, and to get advice about paddling across the Baltic Sea, which he had already done. And he managed to persuade Doba to cross the Atlantic with him from Ghana to Brazil. They were going to use two separate one-man kayaks and tie them together at night to sleep. And we've mentioned that. We were wondering yeah, if that's how do you rest? Yeah. So they tie them together hours. At, 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 while they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. Trip was complete failure. 42 hours later, they washed back onto a beach uh, but he had found a new project once back in Poland. He swore never to kayak with a partner again. Oh, so it was the partner that was the problem. Well, that's what he figures. So, um, <laughs> his first transatlantic crossing from Senegal to Brazil took him from October, 2010 to February, 2011, 99 days. When he finished, you know how many people were there to meet him? A journalist and the Polish ambassador to Brazil. Really? Which makes you wonder, because you think of the big, oh yeah, the Canadian ambassador or the U.S. ambassador to whatever country. The Polish ambassador to Brazil. Did nothing to do that day? I guess. Uh, But yeah, he came out to greet him with (laughs) him and a journalist. No one cared that he had just crossed the Atlantic in a kayak. (laughs) <laughs> now he had talked 99 he, days that's he, pretty yeah, good he had said he wanted to do lower mid and upper Atlantic crossings his second crossing was from Portugal to the US and it happened October 2013 to April 2014 this time when he returned home he received a hero's welcome and was named the 2015 People's Choice Adventurer of the Year by National Geographic Society. And then the third time he crossed uh, from the U.S. to France lasted 111 days. 
in 2017 at the age of 70, and he became the first person across the Atlantic Ocean three times by kayak. Did he do it unsupported? I can't remember. Unsupported, all three times. How do you carry? It was one of those big four months worth kayaks of kayaks when he started doing these. Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the like the one I've got in my garage. Mm-hmm. So yeah, these are these are the big ones <laughs> that you sleep in. Okay, and uh, they're they're thousands of pounds when loaded. Mm-hmm. Or what was it? Twenty-three foot kayak, fifteen hundred pounds when fully loaded. So you'd have to have a water maker on board, like a reverse osmosis or something. You'd have to have like solar panels and like the mm-hmm. the, the logistics of that. His salt, um, uh, what did he call it? The his water desalinator. Maker? Yeah. Twice on two of his trips broke. Oh. Yeah. That's uh, when Bear Grylls saved him and told him how to drink his own urine. <laughs> oh, <shit. laughs> Take your sock. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, reading the articles and all these different things about him, I never given much thought about a water anchor. Um, what, what did I call it? I, I have one in my attic. It's, um. It's like a drag chute yeah, underwater. Yeah, drag chute. Yeah, yeah. So he would put that out and then uh, he says, especially during storms, he would have that out and basically it's. A parachute that drags underwater yep. behind you to make sure that you're staying straight into the waves. Yes. Right. And so the wind is always, so if you tie it off of your, your bow, then your, your bow is always going to be into the wind. Mm-hmm. And so you, the prevailing wind is just going to come right onto the nose of the craft and it, it keeps you, you in, in, you're going to slow down your travel time with the wind, but it keeps you facing straight into the wind. So you're not going to roll sideways. You're, well, that was you know what, I mean? what he's so saying. That, like when you're in the middle of the night. Yeah. You can't be whipped out of bed and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, the one time it, one of the, his, his one broke. So he had to go out with his harness on and tie his spare one on. Oh. He says he got back to his cabin and he was like shocked that he was still alive. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was, that was something. Uh, in the pursuit of adventure, he passed away on the very summit of Mount Kilimanjaro at the age of 74. So he started his adventurings when he was like 60. 64. Yeah. 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 60, 64. Yeah. Yeah. So like, (laughs) I just find that like, I guess there's hope for me yet. Yeah. See, (laughs) you still got a couple of days. (laughs) <laughs> this is it's an incredible later life like he retired and then he became this super adventurer mm-hmm. right oh if you start delving into things he was like totally pissing his wife and that off the second trip when he was going to do it again his wife thought like he was joking yeah and his his wife and son both refused to drive him to the airport <laughs> to fly him to Portugal <laughs> Right. They said, no. So he ended up having to go get his own self there and, and do all that. Um, wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's ticked her. I don't know how he hasn't come back from one of these trips and <laughs> find the locks changed or the house empty yeah. and a little dear John letter on the, on the, the, the countertop. I'm um, always expecting that too. <laughs> <laughs> dear John. Gone to mom's for the weekend. Can you please pick up milk on your way home? It's a different Dear John letter for you, John. (laughs) (laughs) Scoop up the poop in the backyard. (laughs) Take out the trash. Uh, 
that's, yeah. that's an incredible life though. Like, yeah. like the, the, you don't really hear much about him in his early years, but uh, once he retired, he he just started doing some amazing things. At, so at the age of 74, he climbed Kilimanjaro. And they said they met up with other people. They're, like they were in a group, but him and the Sherpas, because he, they were, I think he wanted to go faster. Mm-hmm. Um, the other group, whatever, they were, he was either going slower or faster. But he went. He left. He left the other group with his Sherpas, and uh, he passed other groups. And you know, woo, wild Africa and, and yeah. stuff like that. Hooting and hollering, having a great time. Everybody says he was. He was full of energy, ready to go, and not showing any signs of anything. And then when they got to the top, he just sort of sat down and passed out. Hmm. They couldn't revive him. Yeah, they're saying at those altitudes like that, usually it's a heart attack, but they won't know until they until they yeah yeah you know if and but when they get his body. Could back. you imagine right at the t- summit? Yeah, of Kilimanjaro. See you guys. Yeah, he uh, lived life it. lived life on his terms. Yeah, and he passed on his own terms. That's awesome, eh? Yeah, not that he passed, but that but he got to do it on his own terms. Yeah, right. Uh, John, you sent an article. I think you, yeah, you sent this one. Pocket Outdoor Media. That was me. Was that you? That was Derek. Derek, you sent an article. Well, because they email me. I used to have a (laughs) subscription, so they constantly email me, and so they alerted me to the fact that this happened. I'm getting so many different things sent to me nowadays. (laughs) Pocket Outdoor Media, uh, the parent company to S News, Backpacker, Ski, Yoga Journal, Trail Runner, Climbing, which I used to read Climbing, Warren Miller Entertainment. If you're into skiing and whatnot, you know who that is. Uh, And other active living brands has purchased Outside Magazine, Outside TV, Gaia GPS, Peloton Magazine, and was that Athlete Reg? Reg? Yeah, I'm not sure what that is. Um, Is that a magazine as well? Yeah. New additions make them the world's leading creator of active living content, experiences, travel, and services across every platform, screen, and device. This makes them a huge media mm-hmm. conglomerate. Yeah, they 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 were already massive, and they're even bigger now. And what what impressed me is that uh, so outside magazine they the uh, the owner uh, had been resisting selling his company. He's been offered. People have been trying to buy it out from under them for for decades, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's it's a it's a very popular magazine, outside magazine. I'm sure anybody who's listening to us has read it or it's been around knows since about it. Yeah, it's it's uh, very popular, and uh, so he finally finally decided to sell it. And I think it's because this new company, Pocket Media or whatever, Pocket Outdoor Media, they uh, they've purchased magazines in the past, and so they and they've done well by them. They it's not like they are like trying to corner the market, they, they're trying to grow their own brand. And, but what I thought was really interesting is, uh, so Pocket Outdoor Media, they purchased Outside Magazine and immediately rebranded themselves as Outside. Mm-hmm. So the same font, color, everything. So now they're Outside, the whole company's. And so their flagship magazine is going to be Outside Magazine. And, and so they're, they're taking on the mantle of Outside Magazine and they've just rebranded themselves. So I, I think it's, uh, it shows the respect that they have for the magazine that they've just acquired. And I think they're going to do good things by it. At least I hope they will. 
Well, and things like Muscle and Performance Magazine, which they own. They're I mean, very diversified. Yeah. Uh, outside, outside TV. Gaia GPS app. Yes. You say you use this for, I, for I use that one, yep. hikers and stuff. Ski Magazine, Backpacker Magazine. I used to read Climbing Magazine all the time when I used to go rock climbing. Uh, what do they got? Peloton, Triathlete, Running, uh, Trail Runner. Yeah, they got a ton of these here. So they're, they're going, yeah, they're going to be huge, man. Yes. They say they're looking to build the Amazon Prime of the active <laughs> lifestyle. A yeah. connected, holistic ecosystem of resources, including content, experiences, utilities, community, commerce, education, and services that can be uniquely customized for each active lifestyle enthusiast. Now, John, you said you were looking that uh, between you and Derek, you guys were talking about subscription-based service for, what did you guys say? It was for all their magazines? Yeah, that's what the article that I saw, uh, I think it was out of Gear Junkie had mentioned, or maybe it was uh, one of the San Francisco newspapers, that it was going to be a $99 um, subscription fee to get all of the magazine, access to all the content. Yeah, so it'll be all, it'll be a digital subscription and you'll have digital access to all the magazines. Now, right now, Outside Magazine, they don't go behind a paywall, so you could go online and read a bunch of their articles and stuff, but the, all that's going to disappear behind a paywall or a subscription wall. And, uh, yeah, the article I saw, I didn't see prices, but they said that that was in discussions at the time of the sale. So it's uh, what, it's interesting because you'll be able to have access to all the, the, the realm of this Amazon Prime of magazines, right? So it's... Uh, I think it's a good thing. It's uh, they're diversified. They, if you need it or want it, they'll have it. The, whether it's it, training, reading, it's uh, videos, it's it, uh, every type of online contact you possibly want that they could supply, they'll have it under the subscription. It's pretty interesting. Yeah, definitely, definitely is. So that's yeah, that makes them huge, man. Absolutely huge. Um, I know when you, you, that would be my big thing is they're trying to make themselves a monopoly on it, but. Well, there's so, magazine, well, you would know better than us, John, because you worked in this world, but I think they're diverse, like the magazine world is diverse enough that this is really, like, this is a big move. This is like the Microsoft or the Amazon of, uh, of purchases, but it's, or organizations, but it's still, it's, they're just a small part of the entire ecosystem, right, John? Well, I would, I think I would disagree that it's a, a positive. I, I think I'm more concerned about it than, oh, yeah? than I think it's a good thing. Um, particularly when you have a magazine like Outside, you know, which had some heavy hitters in terms of writers and things like that, um, and more independent content, you, you wonder what's going to happen as they start going through. Um, now, having said that, <laughs> uh, and that article from the San Francisco newspapers about this, they had mentioned that Outside had, uh, what's it, uh, this says, Outside had come under fire for not paying its freelancers with reportedly 150000 U.S. dollars in unpaid invoices. Wow. Soon after, they launched a contribution program to support Outside Online. And that was also after they got the, or they were asking for the money after they had lined up the, the financing for this deal. So I'm a little concerned about what I see there. Mm-hmm. Um, but we'll see, right? I mean, you, you never know as as these things start. My concern is with consolidation of titles is that 
you know, you, they start getting more, uh, I know they all have independent editors, but, you know, when you start seeing shared content or a shared approach, then it can, that's where I would get worried. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to need uh, 50 different HR departments and so all <laughs> those cats would be fired. And <laughs> so if but you yeah. want to adopt a cat, it's a good time. <laughs> With HR experience. <laughs> yes. Um, yeah, but when you're looking at, you know, they got these different running magazines, are they going to mm-hmm. have the same sort of article in all three magazines sort of thing, right? Yeah, and you is the content going to well. be kind of washed out and diluted? Yeah, and, yeah it'll be well, interesting to see what happens. Magazines, it's, you know, it is the other thing we have to say about this too. It's, you know, it's hard for magazines to survive right now, right? Mm-hmm. And and the nature of magazines have changed. You know, I used to love Sea Kayaker magazine. It was a great magazine. They had long-form articles about, you know, trips and, and gear and safety. And and it was, it was very much an independent publication. And what was cool about, when I say long-form, is, you know, you would read a, a good piece about somebody's trip. It wasn't a list of, the top 10 reasons you need to go to the Yukon this summer, <laughs> you know, and then you turn the page and there's an ad for the Yukon tour and travel. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I, and I'm not picking on the Yukon here by any means that just came to mind because it's one of my favorite places. Um, but you know, that it, the nature of magazines is changing. You're, you're getting more of the, their, you know, the, the, it's, it's a collection of lists and, and a lot of that is, responding to to internet content if you will, yeah right so i you know i as a former magazine guy i i hate seeing i always hate seeing you know magazines go down um this uh, this you know probably saved some of these titles from going under eventually um so we'll see what happens yeah just keep an eye on it and see what happens there man uh, um A couple episodes ago, we were talking about hammock camping. (laughs) So there's a story out of Alaska Mm -hmm. about a woman being bitten on the butt by a bear when she sat down in an outhouse. How big Mm -hmm. is an outhouse that a bear can be under there? Wow. It's Alaska. I don't know. It was <laughs> it was back in the woods a ways, I guess. Uh, the girl, her brother and brother's girlfriend were out. They're in a yurt camping. Mm-hmm. She decided to go to the outhouse. She sat down and immediately something bit her on the butt. Now, apparently, she doesn't practice the kick the crapper first <laughs> to make sure any bugs or bears mice or rabbits or, or mice squirrels or, or anything yeah. scoot out or bears. Had she done it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so first off, everyone has that fear of, you know, bugs or a snake or something, yeah. but a bear, like there's just too many questions. Like you say, how it's number, the, this is like a, a big, freshly dug hole because that's, you know, even for a bear, <laughs> dude. Well, that would be a huge pit toilet or something. Yeah. Right? To, for the, and, and so hibernating. How did the bear get in there? Did he go through the, through the hole in the outhouse? He couldn't. Or is there a side entrance? 
And how yeah, must how have, would you must not have, have known? Around. Does the outhouse have a basement? Must. A different <laughs> entrance? These are the questions. <laughs> they, they, did they not look behind? You know, they mustn't have looked at the back because you got to think. There's a big hole <laughs> to get in to yeah. the outhouse from the back entrance. Though they will dig through, you know, looking for food. This is a, That's why, you know, one of the things with park service and stuff will tell you, don't throw food into an outhouse because the bears actually will dig down into the outhouse to get any food that's down in there amongst the waste. But you um, figure a hole... <laughs> To get at the food, it'd be noticeable. Might be noticeable. Yeah. <laughs> one would think. Well, you know, if it was behind it or something, or on one of the sides, and you're walking out, and you know, and it has snowed. You got to be thinking the bear was hibernating, mm-hmm. or trying to hibernate before the upstairs <laughs> neighbors, yeah, <laughs> so rudely <laughs> covered the air hole. <laughs> so you sent me this, John. This is the article you sent me. Yeah. And saying, this is why I don't want to sleep in a hammock. <laughs> I presume you're referring to the episode we had a few weeks back. Yes, My first I... thought, John, was <laughs> who sets up a hammock in an outhouse? <laughs> I'm not sure about the people down in Wisconsin. <laughs> but up here in Ontario, <laughs> we don't do that. See, but so, that's my, you know... When you're hanging there in a hammock, not necessarily in an outhouse, but you are just, we, you know, we talked about it that night that uh, you're just, you know, you're, you're low hanging fruit. So, so <laughs> I assumed correct. that's what you meant, that when you're hanging on a hammock, you didn't want a bear coming out and giving you little n- love nibbles on the bum yes. uh, while you were sleeping. I'm hoping that's what you meant. Yes, <laughs> that would but, be what I meant. But when you're yes. sending me an article saying, "Yeah, a lady was uh, in an outhouse and got bitten the bear by a butt, uh, bitten the butt by a bear," <laughs> this is bitten why I don't want a butt. Yeah, this is why I don't want to sleep in a hammock. I'm thinking, what does that? Mean? Where do you hang your hammock? <laughs> <laughs> oh, so yes. Um, uh, yeah, if there's anything to be learned from this, it's always do the thunderbox kick. There you go. Yes. When you lift up the lid. Look inside. As disgusting as it is, you want to take a quick peek inside, mm-hmm. which I bet you this girl will be doing for the rest <laughs> of her life. Absolutely. Now, I don't think she'll be using an outhouse again. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently it wasn't that, like it was a bite. Like a was, nibble. It was, uh, wasn't bad enough that she needed to be rushed. Yeah. They patched it up, she said, with the uh, first aid kit they had. Right. Um, so, yeah, do the kick, take a look, <laughs> and don't hang your hammock up in the outhouse. Yes, yes. <laughs> Unless you're John from Wisconsin. <laughs> I would, you know, also add that, you know, well, I don't know how far we want to take this one, but I'd say, <laughs> gentlemen, just be wary of... of um, Things below. How's that? Dangly bits. <laughs> yes. Yes. And older men have to be doubly worried. So. <laughs> Whatever. Danglier <that> bits. <laughs> well, you know, there's there's all those stories that you read, you know, like, and uh, I know this one wasn't an urban myth because 
I, I was reading it in a South uh, Southeast Asian newspaper when I was, was studying about the region and where, you know, a snake gets into the plumbing and comes up oh, and there yeah. was a snake that come up and, and bit somebody's dangling bits. Happens in the movies all the time. Yeah. And so I know it's happened to, you know, at least once, but that, you know, that's the kind of thing that I always have in the back of my mind whenever I use an outhouse, which is why I much prefer, you know, just walking out into nature. Yeah. <laughs> so this is just the, like, there, there needs to be memes on this, right? Remember the guy that got, that opened up the door after he's finished the outhouse and the bear was right there and attacked him? What? Oh, no, I don't remember that one. Yeah, uh, was that Manitoba? A couple of years back. So he was inside. He was in the outhouse, Yeah. and when he opened it, there was a bear, and the bear got him. Oh. Um, but it's like, what's the chances of something like that happening? Here, <laughs> hold my beer, watch this. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> I was in the bathroom. <laughs> the bear was already there. <laughs> wow. Things that happened. But yeah, John, um... Yeah, immediately thought of of you and where you're hanging your hammock. <laughs> oh, Wisconsin people, I don't know. That's strange. <laughs> Weird. The cheese. <laughs> Must be the cheese. It's the cheese. <laughs> it's gone to their heads. Cheese brain. Yeah. What else is happening? <laughs> Earthworms. We've mentioned this before. Earthworms are not found in Algonquin Park. Mm-hmm. They are not um, indigenous to Algonquin Park. Yeah. Which way back when I first started my canoe tripping career, I always had uh, fishing rods with me. And it's like, you know, I don't have time to stop for for bait. I'll just dig up some worms when I'm in Algonquin. (laughs) And it wasn't long till I figured out, well, there's no worms here. I lift up rocks. I lift up logs. I dig a little bit. No worms because yeah. they're not. Earthworms not native to Algonquin Park, and in fact, they are not native to all of Ontario. Yes, correct. Which I mean, we've been getting earthworms since I can, long as I can remember. Oh yeah, no. Since right. I was a kid. Yeah. Right. All the earthworm species found in Ontario are in fact invasive species from other continents. They're good swimmers. Yeah. (laughs) Any native earthworm species were most likely wiped out in Ontario by the glacial ice sheets covering the landscape 11,000 to 14,000 years ago. When the glaciers retreated, they left behind earthworm-free ecosystems. Well, there you go. They came back across the Atlantic on the ice on, Alex- on Alexander's kayak from Poland. I bet you. <laughs> Thousands of years since then, our ecosystems have evolved to recycle nutrients and decaying organic matter through a multitude of fungi, invertebrates, and bacteria. And then the earthworms arrived. I wonder if they came across that land bridge. <laughs> so, coincidentally, and this is just something I saw uh, last night, I think it was. It was uh, it was at Smithsonian Channel or it was one of those channels. Anyways, they were talking about New England and uh, the 
but they also, I think it was in this article too, about the ground cover and stuff like mm-hmm. that, about how it compacts it. But yeah, like it's a, this is a, it's not a thing you think about when you think about worms, but they're actually not so good for the environment. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, they say just like the beavers, they have the ability to change the basic processes and structures of an ecosystem. Mm-hmm. They do this through burrowing in the soil and feeding on leaf litter laying on the ground. These simple actions have severe impacts on soil structure and nutrient availability, thus affecting the plants that grow and thrive in the soils. Uh, yeah, so yeah, just like the beaver when they block up a river or yep. something like that, it floods yeah. and kill stuff and all that sort of Yeah, same deal with the worms when they start digging and getting rid of the nutrients by eating it. Because that's one, oh, if you got worms in your garden, it's a great thing to have worms in it your garden because they the garden. Yeah. the garden and it helps your plants grow. And But apparently... Not true. Not true if you're um, growing like trees and <laughs> stuff like that. <laughs> one thing that stuck in my mind though about this article when I saw it, like it was what, it was Ontario Parks posted it to Facebook or something. Mm-hmm. And so I, I read the article, it was like fascinating and all that, but then towards the end of it, they says, if you have leftover worms, take them home with you, yes. don't drop them. And I'm thinking, wait a sec, I didn't know you're allowed to have worms. You're not Algonquin. allowed live bait, like fish, a worm minnows is live and bait. stuff. M- they sell worms. Worms are, I don't know why they don't consider that live bait. Yeah. But you're not I, supposed to use frogs. You're not supposed to use yeah. minnows and stuff. But worms you're allowed to do, but I had no you're idea. supposed to take them out with yes, you. Yes, you can't leave them behind. Most people will either just dump them in the lake or dump them in their campsite. Um, I don't think, I don't believe in just throwing them in the garbage. Mm-hmm. I take them out of the park and throw them in my... Take them home. I take them and throw yeah. them in my ground and let the robins eat yeah. them. Ha <laughs> <laughs> You didn't catch me fish? Have at them, birds. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. So they, they, and this is the whole thing was we're looking at canoe tripping and stuff. And it says help stop the, the spread of worms that have been shown to damage native soil communities, hardwood forests, wildflowers, plus increase soil compaction and erosion. So when we're going on our canoe trips, and you're hoping for that nice meal of trout when you come on out because you still have worms left over. Take them home. Yes. They're an invasive species and uh, you can't just dump them in the park. And that's, it, it starts to make you think about how many different invasive species yes, there are that exactly. we don't know about. Oh, yeah. Because I wouldn't yeah. think earthworms were an invasive species. Until you start you know, reading. You know one of the worst invasive species, right? Humans. Face mites. Okay. <laughs> Face, Face mites. <laughs> Google that, uh, people. <laughs> cats. Your HR department. Cats, yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Cats are one of the one of the what worst damage so of they, any invasive species. Exactly. So would the stats say that uh, you're talking on the realm of uh, of dead birds and bird deaths, uh, you know, everybody worries about like, you know, uh, glass office buildings and windmills and stuff like that. Like house cats, the normal house cats across North America account for 70 or 75% of all bird species deaths. The yeah. ones that are allowed outside. The cats that are outside, yes. Yeah. Our cats yes. never go outside. I don't want fleas. Mine don't either. 
But they say that this is the, yeah. the major thing that kills off uh, birds is is household cats, pets, which you is know an what? incredible number. We need more eagles in neighborhoods like this. So they can take the cats. So they can take out the cats. It's <laughs> <laughs> going to be some big mafia thing going on yeah. between eagles, little birds, and cats. <laughs> yeah. Uh, was it Australia that had the rabbits? Frog. Rats? Rabbits? Is it rabbit? Yeah, rabbits are invasive species. And some sort of frog. What was it's it? It's starting to sound like the plagues of Egypt. Yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm Grasshoppers. All my knowledge locusts. is from The Simpsons. <laughs> so, but they Why? Because t- there's a quickie mart? No. <laughs> that, there's that too. But they on The Simpsons, they talk about the invasive species of frogs and rabbits or something in, in Australia. Yeah, I'm sure it was rabbits. Mm-hmm. There were, well, now you got the invasive species of pythons and stuff down in, uh, oh, in, in, the, in the Everglades. Everglades. Yeah. yeah. Right? Um, yeah. Oh, and uh, Grenadier, Grenadine, Grenadier Pond in Toronto. Yeah. People have been dumping their oh. fish there for years and they found massive goldfish and, and piranhas. Last? A piranha? Was it three years ago? They found, uh, oh, I can't remember. It's a smallish crocodile caiman. species. A caiman. A caiman. They found a caiman. Yeah. One or mm. two caimans. Yeah. It's like uh, a smaller crocodile species. It's just like the gators of New York City. Yeah. Of course, they the wouldn't sewers. survive winter, but uh, somebody decided to dump it in that pond. The great Canadian caiman. <laughs> well, that's why you start looking at uh, frogs and stuff and turtles. When they bury themselves under, in in the um In the mud. mud in, yeah. And yeah. then they're like, they... One heartbeat every 62 days yeah. or something, whatever. Yeah. They go. It's not that bad, but yeah, you're like, how do they survive? With, like, I know. You know. Well, they do have a chemical to stop the cell damage from freezing. There's some sort of chemical in the body. See, why can't the caiman do that? He can adapt. <laughs> it takes yeah. millions of years to adapt. Are you repressing his abilities? <laughs> <laughs> Shame on you. Uh, moving on. So yeah, take your... Uh, Take your earthworms home with you, people. Don't just dump them wherever you feel like it. That's right. John Van Berger. Yes. You, <laughs> sir, took our little survey that we talked about. A, oh, how many episodes ago was this? Oh, oh, oh yeah. A while ago. This was a while back. Yeah. Um, I had mentioned that you could actually drive around the U.S., hit all the states, but wouldn't it be great to do that and paddle in one river in every state? Mm-hmm. You were supposed to do the Yukon journey again this year. Well, right. it looks like that's on hold. Yep. Yeah. Uh, I'm, you know, I, I don't see any way, even if they open the border, um, the villages, the native villages up in, you know, along the river won't likely be open to people. So, yeah. So I think we're just going to postpone that and hope that 2022 is our lucky year. <laughs> <laughs> so instead of doing that, yes. you decided you're going to do a 48-state paddle trip. I'm thinking, uh, right now I'm calling it a mental exercise. <laughs> so you're doing uh, the planning. I'm, I'm doing the planning of of what... You know, it's one of those things where you you get focused on something fun and positive, right? Mm-hmm. And it's that challenge of 
if where would you go if you could do all 48 continental states and maybe you know if uh, borders open up to be able to add Alaska to that uh, if you could do all of them what iconic body of water or where would you go and and could you put this together in one trip mm-hmm. and so I think I, I I've started working on the background for it and um, I think I've got a fairly decent start on it. Now, you sent us the list, mm-hmm. but I take it this is just alphabetical and not in the actual order you're going to do it. Right. Because yeah, otherwise I... you're starting in Alabama, then you're going to Arizona, <laughs> then you're going all the way back to Arkansas, then That's all the right. way over to California, and on your way to Connecticut, you're going to stop in Colorado. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so... Yeah. I think it'd be fun to to Google Maps that one just to see what the mileage would be. Oh, <laughs> if I do it alphabetically, it'll take me eight years and twenty three thousand miles. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd like to thank Bob's Auto for the new car. <laughs> Halfway Cars through the trip. Plural. Yeah, um, but you've got unlike my. I mean, the trip that I outlined, it was you know hit this state. Do it was sort of a how fast or how close to the yes. border sort of thing to the, you know, that we're crossing into to keep a, a flow to it. But in some of these, you've got, like, I mean, starting with Alabama, you've got two different rivers, Arizona, yeah. two different rivers. And and what I was thinking as I looked through it, and I guess the, the goal that I wanted to have was to find like an iconic body of water or, you know, like a scenic or wild river, you know, something that would be something unique and and in the trip, try to put together a, like an, a unique set of waterways too. Mm-hmm. And so at the end of the list I, I sent you, I don't know if you saw it, I had, you know, a question of must paddles. And so it's like, okay, do I hit all the Great Lakes? Right. I think I have to, right? I think I have to hit the Great Salt Lake. Yep. I think it would be cool to hit a number of, you know, the, the like paddling trails. Right. And, and so many, you know, states and, and regions are starting those now because of the economic uh, opportunities that, you know, of bringing uh, kayakers and stand up paddleboarders and canoeists in. Mm-hmm. So there's a number of paddling trails out there. There's endangered rivers that, would be kind of interesting to to go do some of those now. Right, right. Uh, both oceans, right? You've got to hit both oceans. And the one thing I don't have a lot on my list so far is whitewater. But I I intentionally have omitted a lot of that because this a lot of this is probably going to be a solo trip. Right. So I you know I'm not my skill level is you know. Novice to intermediate, I suppose. And, and you're accident prone. And I'm accident prone. So right there. <laughs> <laughs> that knocks me back down really to novice. <laughs> just throwing it out there, buddy. And just in case you were double thinking this. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, so, I, so I'm was, there for you. <laughs> I appreciate that. Yeah. So I was, I was just thinking about this and kind of thinking about those things in the back of my mind. And so when I put together the list, that I sent to you. So, for example, like in Arizona, mm-hmm. there are two possible, you know, the Colorado River. Right. And 
the area that I wanted to do that, because, you know, the Colorado goes through so much of the southwest U.S., mm-hmm. southern U.S., is, uh, you know, that beautiful, that iconic photo that you see of Horseshoe Bend yes, yes. in Glen Canyon. I thought it would be really cool to paddle that. To actually be there paddling rather than just seeing the postcard photo every everyone sees. Yeah. And what's cool about that is, so I, you know, I, I put that down. That was like the, the very first thing I actually listed. And it was like, what's cool about that is you have to be towed up to the starting point. They'll, they'll put you on a boat, take your, take your kayaks up there, whatever you're taking up, stand up paddleboard, whatever it might be. And then you paddle back down river because it goes up to a dam. You can't be up near there at the put-in because of uh, terrorist concerns, actually. Right. And so you get up there, start on the water, and, and you can either do it one day or do an overnight along the way. And then there's also a place in Arizona called Big Lake. And it's a big mountain lake about, uh, was it 9,000 feet above sea level, surrounded by forest service lands. And it was like, cool, go paddle up, you know, a mountain lake. This sounds good. But I think uh, given the time constraints that would be involved in a trip like this, that it's going to have to be Horseshoe Bend. I think, you know, the Colorado River would win out on that one. But I put it down just as an option because, you know, the other piece with this is, as you're looking through, it's going to be weather. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be, you know, uh, can you get in on, for example, having to be towed up to the starting point, you know, uh, Will companies be working at the time I'm there? Because I want to do this. I want to start this in late summer and go into late fall, early winter. That's the goal. See, I would be more starting the northern ones, maybe end summer, mm-hmm. maybe midsummer. Because that way yes. you're out of like Minnesota and stuff like that, New York yep. State. Vermont, Connecticut, all that sort of stuff. You're done all that by the time the snows hit and the ice hits. Right. And then I'm working my way down. What I was thinking, the sort of a rough direction on this, so I'd start in the Midwest, uh, go down, probably hit Chicago first, and then make my way, start southwest from there, and make a go down into, you know, go down toward the Four Corners area, up to California, up the coast, Oregon, Washington. And as I'm making this sort of tracing this route, right, mm-hmm. hitting kind of a one to two state like along the way. So you figure if you draw a line like where my route is, hit a state to the south and to the north of that line as I go. Right. Then swing up to the Pacific Northwest and then cut straight back across the upper uh, U.S., and that's where then I pick up, you know, as I'm cutting across Washington, Idaho, Montana, you know, the, and, and coming across that Dakotas way to Minnesota. And- yeah, and and then, you know, get back to the Midwest by the start of, so this is where it gets really stupid, um, get back to the Midwest around the start of September so that I can go to Isle Royale and do that stand-up paddleboard in that lake, interior lake, as part of my Michigan paddle. Oh, mm-hmm. right. And then continue, from there, continue out then into the upper, um, 
you know, the, the northeast, and then kind of make a very quick jog over then to the coast where it's going to be a little bit, you know, a little bit more temperate and work my way down south, get down to Florida, and then make a swing back up, kind of a little bit over toward the Mississippi and then back up. So that's, and by that point, it would be winter, so it would be, you know, not too bad, and then get back home. That's kind of the rough route that I'm going to take. But uh, there's so many things that, you know, there's just so many things that can change this. Well, and there's so many things to see on this route, too. I'm just looking through some of your some of your things, and you've started putting notes and everything here on things possibly to see, things that you were, you know, different uh, info and sites and activities and stuff. Um, does it does it pass the dossier um, <laughs> approval? Uh, it, it approves the, the dossier start of approval. Okay, okay, good. Um, good. But I mean, when you're <laughs> it's a, seeing it's a like... a rough draft. <laughs> yeah, Hawaii. Uh, <laughs> also see Secret Falls. Some snakes, but not many. <laughs> See, those are the I things I would put in there. Um, you know, um, ties with the Revolutionary War, you know, sites uh, to see. Um, pirate history. Pirate history, yeah. That's important. Yeah. South Carolina. No, you know, there's, yeah. there's a lot of, um, there's, you know, a lot of stuff that's tied into history. So, you know, that Lake Champlain water trail and then maybe go down towards Fort Ticonderoga. So that takes Vermont and New York in there. And a lot of our, you know, our state borders are along waterways. Yeah. Right along. And so I don't want to, I, I really want to hit like an iconic body of water in each state rather than say, okay, well, I'm going to, for example, follow you know, the Connecticut River down and pick up the five or six states that it hits along the way. So what I'm, I really want to do is try to do different ones and different types. So like in Maine, one of the possibilities is a salt marsh just because it's something so different. The Scarborough Salt Marsh. Yeah. Now I paddled that. I think that's what I, I paddled that when I was teaching out in New Hampshire. I went up there with a friend. Pretty sure it's the same place. And it was really amazing. And of course, didn't didn't time the tides well, so it was a <laughs> it was a slog getting back. <laughs> uh, uh, Indiana Caverns, Binkley Cave System, uh, yeah. Indiana Caverns Guiding Company, expensive, one hundred and twenty bucks a person. Good thing there's only one of you. <laughs> <laughs> but the you know the flip side of that is too. Then you know looking at that, say okay, well. Is that where I pick up Lake Michigan? Do I go to Indiana Dunes State Park, you know, and go out there? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's there's just a lot of, I mean, it's a, the thought of that and being able to put a trip together like that. I'm Again, I'm approaching it as just kind of an exercise right now. And we'll see, I think, COVID and, and a lot of things that happened, uh, well, during the Yukon journey and afterwards and recently kind of makes me say, you know, you know, that's the, the old joke about how do you make God laugh? Make a plan. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yes. There you go. So, Hold my beer. Watch this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I think what I'm, I'm really just looking at this as an exercise. And as, as time goes on, I'm going to continue working on this and continue looking at these 
because I think it would be, if it's something I could put together, it would be really amazing. You know, I think a lot of people have, now yours is more realistic than, than mine is right now. <laughs> uh, but I think there's a lot of people that have big excursions, expeditions, whatever you want to call them, mm-hmm. um, that you would really think would be a cool trip to do. Mm-hmm. Your, yours is pretty cool. Um, I, I like how you've detailed things here, John, with what you want to see and where you want to see. Hopefully you could, uh, get into Hawaii and Alaska. Mm. And yeah. Uh, did you see where, did you see the Alaska, what Alaska is actually on there? Um, I did. I'm going to refresh here. Whoops. Hyder, Alaska. It is a 17 hour one way yes. drive from Sumas, Washington. So I've, I've been there before. <laughs> it's it's a strange little place. Most people, the only reason most people go there is because of the black bears that are in the feeding on the salmon that come up the creeks. Right. And so there's a lot of tourism based on the black bears being there. Uh, the It's a strange place, man. The bars are open 23 and a half hours a day. <laughs> uh, they are... <laughs> They, there are rumors that that's where a lot of gun smuggling takes place um, to bring guns into Canada. They they just go over the border then into, I can't remember the name of the little town there in BC on the other side of Hyder. But there, yeah, I mean, there's there's all kinds of um, bizarre things that happen in Hyder. But it's like, you know, if the border opens, I'm, I'm going to take that one, right? I mean, that's a couple of, that's like four days, but it'd be worth it. Yeah, definitely be worth it. Especially you go down that river with the bears. behind, <laughs> They're all looking at the salmon jumping up over those little falls. Yeah. You come ripping up Sorry. behind them, slap them on the ass and <laughs> over the falls. But you know I what I want to see that on National Geographic. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I won't be doing there too, right? I will not be using an outhouse in that general area. <laughs> or a hammock. <laughs> yes, exactly. <That's> right. <laughs> yeah, this sounds cool, man. It sounds cool. I think yeah. I think you should definitely. Uh, I would start a little bit earlier though. Midsummer, yeah. maybe. Yeah. Maybe I, two I weeks hate early. the crowds of you know some of that stuff, but I think I think you may be right because I mean even in Wisconsin in October we can get some really nasty snowstorms. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I I think that's it's probably advisable. Have I ever steered yeah. you wrong? <laughs> Not yet. <laughs> Hey, Derek, you want to handle that one? <laughs> Where's the cats? It's going to get tricky. I need the HR department in here now. Stat. <laughs> but, you know, I've got a, a trip I've been putting together, which probably would not happen until I was rich <laughs> or retired. Yes. <laughs> but, again, it's like, you know what? I can go from here to here to here to here to here. And if I do up and around here, and right now there's a section between – um. North Bay and Timmins that I'm kind of stuck on finding a route. But then everything else Timmins? after that. Yeah, Timmins. Oh, Timmins. I thought yeah. you said Timmies, and I thought, no, geez, Timmies. that one's not hard to get to. <laughs> yeah. There's one over here. There's one over here. There's one <laughs> over right. here. Yeah. It's just which one I go to. Uh, <laughs> but no, I mean, I've been looking at paddling from Canada's southernmost point to northernmost point. That'd be cool, man. And now I don't think I'd be paddling the entire because there'd be spots when you're getting up into because um, if I tried to do it over one continuous year, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. at some point you're running into ice, 
Yeah. And then you'd be hauling across uh, Ellesmere Island. <laughs> You're mm-hmm. not paddling. So it'd be a unpowered, I guess, journey under my okay. own power sort of thing. Yep. Yep. Um, but no, you know, that's what you do. Is the same with basically what you've put here. It's like, oh, yeah, if I can do it this way, and I hit here, and I hit here, and I hit here, and I hit here. It is quite doable with a little note saying what you got to do on each section. I think a lot of people do those with their little trips, and hopefully one day they become uh, a reality. So I'm hoping this one helps out, man. Comes out to you, and uh, you can do it come this fall. Be fun. Be a yeah. lot of fun, right? And I think there will have to be some uh, call-in Oh yes, yeah. Man on the street, foreign correspondent <laughs> relating to the trip, and I think it'd be probably you'd probably get better reception <laughs> than you used to on the uh, yeah, Yukon River. Exactly, that's right. <laughs> well, keep us informed uh, if things change, and we should come up with some sort of online thing we can post, like a Where's Waldo? Yeah, Where's Waldo? Or <laughs> if when you know if you know this is going to happen, mm-hmm. then maybe we can come up with something we can post. A John's root yes. sort of thing. I'll wear mm-hmm. a, a red and white striped shirt. Yeah. <laughs> Where's John? He's right there. John Waldo. <laughs> yeah. John Waldo. <laughs> well, I think the other thing I want to do too is, you know, was like, just because, you know, met a lot of people and, and uh, you know, I know you've talked about when you took your trip down into the States, uh, down into the Tennessee and you met up with Jerry Vandiver and, and yeah. Yeah. some other, fo- you know, I, I think a lot of that stuff too is, is fun because you get a chance to go out and paddle with your friends, but also to do it in an area that they know, for example. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so I, I kind of on look at those things and I'll probably tie it in again, depending on pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, tie it in with couch surfing network and, you know, there's just, there's a lot of possibilities for it. So definitely. And, you know, I definitely, I, I travel cheap too. So, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's a feasible trip the way I would do it. Yeah. Well, you know what? That's the one thing we were, um, well, as we've been doing applications for, for dog rescues and stuff lately. Trying to get a dog is, <laughs> as, is worse than trying to get cats. Uh, <laughs> and they're always saying, you know, like, what do you do when you go on vacation? Well, the mm-hmm. dog comes with us. I mean, yeah. it's not like we're spending all this money going to Mexico or whatever. We do these trips, these canoe trips and that, that are, you know, they're dirt cheap, you yeah. know? Um, and yeah, I mean, that's, that's part of the, the allure of these, this type of vacation, you know, two weeks canoe tripping versus two weeks at a resort mm-hmm. with airfare and food and souvenirs. And that's the other thing. No one expects me to bring them back a souvenir. Bring Did you bring point. me something? Yeah, here's a stick. <laughs> a stick. <laughs> I found this rock on a beach. Yeah. It's glorious. Oh, I picked this rock off that beach specifically with you in mind. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stick. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I mean, things like this are, it's definitely cheaper and it's its easy to do stuff like this when you're looking at, I mean, in your case, it would pretty much just be gas mileage and, you know, any uh, camping fees if you'd need, right? Right. Yeah. And, you know, I'm looking at, I've been, <laughs> I've been looking at a way to put together, I've got a lightweight kayaking trailer, canoeing trailer, and a way to 
build a base onto that where I could actually sleep in that uh, along the roadways or whatever, or good old Wally World parking lots, if worse come to worse. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so go out to a, a put-in someplace, park overnight, sleep in the back of that, get out, get up in the morning, go paddling. Sounds like a plan, man. Get one of those Working. small teardrop trailers or something? Uh, actually, smaller. Yeah? It's, yeah, it would be built on top of this this lightweight trailer that I have because there's there's two ways that this trip could happen. One is me doing this solo, but if Jan retires, there's a really good chance that we would end up getting a an actual travel trailer and a new vehicle and doing this a uh, good chunk of this together. Mm -hmm. A buddy of mine at work, he's got uh, he does a lot of traveling by motorcycle and he's got mm -hmm. he's found a pop-up camper trailer that will sleep too. And it's compact enough that it's it's once it's all folded down, it he can tow it behind his motorcycle. Yep, it's yeah. tiny. Yeah. Well, I yeah, think of a, of a tent. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. The two two person tent. Yeah. If you're <laughs> hobbits. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if if you're looking to do a trip like that and you're re ready to skimp on certain things, yes, no yeah. luxuries. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You right. Can go as cheap as you want, really. Yeah. Yep. Well, keep us up to date on this, John. We'll do, man. Let us know what's happening. Uh, yeah, hopefully we can uh, follow you through on this. And if there's anybody out there that has any sort of connections in any states that uh, John might be hitting, because there's, what, 48 of them you say you're going to hit? Yep, hopefully. 48. And then yeah. if they open the border, got to do all 50 then, right? Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, maybe you can, uh, hook up with John and say, find out what, uh, rivers he's going to paddle in that area and you guys can hook up and do a little bit of day paddling or something, depending yep. on John's yep. schedule. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. That's, that's the, that's the goal, right? A, a day to drive someplace, a day to paddle, uh, maybe two days to paddle and then move on to the next one. And we'll be, you'll be expected to, uh. Uh, this is the beer I'm having in this state. Oh, picture yes. every day. Can you imagine? Oh. Yeah. <laughs> All the micro brews. Well, you know, it's local color, right? That's yep. right. This is a local beer after a day of paddling. Yeah. Yep. This is the locally sourced burger of the day with the local beer and the whatever. Yeah. Yeah. This lake, yep. this beer, this burger. <laughs> yep. And John came back 800 pounds. But <laughs> That's can, right. <laughs> but he can paddle like nobody's business. <laughs> yeah, there's there's that danger, right? Well, I went to the McDonald's in Rhode Island. Then I went to the McDonald's in Delaware. Who's the fat drunk guy in the kayak over there? <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you and I and Derek had talked about when I was talking about Isle Royale was, you know, taking that stand-up inflatable stand-up paddleboard up into that back lake right mm -hmm. oh yes and i was thinking about that as you know i'd like to do that as part of this trip too but you know there's other places that that would work as well yeah because i was looking out near taos new mexico for example you know and throw that into the backpack and you know for all the gear and the backpack could be about 30 pounds and hoof it up the mountain and there's the high mountain lake that you can only hike to and you know things like that so you know maybe i wouldn't get too fat. I mean, either that or I just have a heart attack. <laughs> well, it's either that or a pack raft. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Actually, that would work too, man. See? 
That way you're not standing. You could just rest and <laughs> that's right. <laughs> Take it easy. <laughs> After hiking up the mountain. <laughs> yeah, give your legs a rest. Ah. Um, yeah, so keep us uh, keep us up to date on that one. Will do. Uh, I think the only other thing we got here is a couple of announcements for shows. You got anything else, Derek? I do not. Why not? Well, I'm tapped out. He's tapped out. We've covered all my research. Derek's tapped out. He's mm-hmm. had his 12 beers for the evening. Oh. <laughs> He's going back to the quickie mart. <laughs> uh, John, you've got anything else? No, that's uh, basically about it. Well, the Quiet Adventure Symposium has two nights left. Uh, Mm. Tonight, Thursday. And Saturday is the grand finale night. Uh, The grand, the actual end of it all is a, they're they're calling the grand finale, is a live discussion panel between Cliff Jacobson and Kevin Callan. And it will be moderated by yours truly, Sean Rowley. Uh, that's going to be good. I'm going to start it out right off the bat saying, no one's talking bare barrels, <laughs> no one's talking no hanging, and no tarps. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Off limits. Anybody mentions any of those things and... You're <clears throat> Hanging up on you. Uh, If you haven't got a ticket yet and want more information, uh, go to quietwatersociety.org and find out all the information there. Um, I've been watching the seminars the last few nights, and uh, there's some pretty interesting ones there. They have some on track A, track B, they're calling it, so you can sign up for or flip between the two and uh, uh, see, you know, whatever presentations pique your interest. And at the end, after the whole thing's done, the the cool thing about this is, even if you haven't gotten a ticket yet, Mm -hmm. when it's all over and done, you can go back through and and watch or rewatch all of them. Yeah, yeah, they'll they'll be, uh, they'll send out a link to everybody that uh, will include uh, all the presentations that you can watch at at your own leisure in case there are certain things. Because there's been a couple of them that I wanted to see that were unfortunately, you know, I'm watching track A and it's on track B sort of thing. So right. yep. I'll be able to go back and watch that. Good point. And like mine tonight, for example, is backed up against Jerry Vandiver. So nobody's watching mine tonight. <laughs> oh, dude, please cry me a river. I went up against Kevin Callan at the Outdoor Adventure Show last year. <laughs> cry me a river. <laughs> Oh, boo-hoo. <laughs> uh, <laughs> speaking of playing the world's smallest violin for you, John. No, uh, I'm just saying it, <laughs> this is a positive because you can watch Jerry and Caitlin and then later pick my pine. Yeah. yeah. And then come back and I, watch K- Jerry and Caitlin again. <laughs> they watch them again. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Hey, my mom's going to watch it. That's all I know. Well, I think from what she's told me, she and Jerry's watching Jerry and Caitlin. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Coming up as well, Canucopia. They're doing uh, the virtual as well this year. If you go to canucopia.com, virtual tickets, three days for $15, Friday, March 12th to Sunday, March 14th. Now, if you go to, hang on, I got to make sure I get this right. If you go to the main page at canucopia.com, so let me get to that page, and you click the virtual Canucopia March 12th to 14th, 2021 tickets on sale now picture, takes you to another, no, oops, oops, did I goof that? I goofed it. 
<laughs> Ignore that part. If you go below that to the show guide now live Canucopia, and you click that picture, it takes you to a page. And on the left-hand side, they have general information, reflection articles, what's new. Under the reflection articles, Kayaking with Jack by John Van Berger. Yeah. Uh, you want to give a little overview of that there, John? Sure. It's um, about we had a husky for 14 years. He was an amazing dog. And it is about basically teaching him how to go out and kayak and everything that kind of happened once we did. He was an amazing, he was an amazing beast. And uh, so it was, yeah. Yeah. Make I, sure I, you have Kleenex. Oh, <laughs> yes. Because John is in trouble. Because <laughs> Derek's, <in> trouble. <laughs> Derek's wife, shh, Derek's wife read the article <laughs> at work. <laughs> and she cried a bit. <laughs> she cried a bit. She was almost a blubbering fool. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a good article to read. Um, but uh, now are you you're doing a presentation here this year, are you not? John? Uh, Canoe Cope, yeah, yeah. I'm doing a safety panel with Kevin Callen. Uh, who else have I got on that one? Scott Oath and uh, Krista Martineau. And we're going to be talking about what we call real-world safety. And it's just, it's going to be based on live questions that people have and on, on paddling and camping. Do you remember what day that is? Is that Sunday? That would be Sunday at 1 o'clock Central. Okay, I knew it was Sunday. I just wasn't sure. Yeah. Uh, do, 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 do. Oh, and you know who you're up against? No. <laughs> <laughs> Jerry Vandiver. <laughs> Damn that, Jerry. <laughs> oh, I just can't get away from him. Tell you. Uh, who else? My oh. nemesis. John Bates, Neil Schroeder, and Stephen Nelson. They're all on at one o'clock. Ah, oh, yeah, you're the, you're the main guys. You got this one, buddy. You got <laughs> this one. <laughs> so go to canucopia.com, uh, spend your 15 bucks, get your three-day virtual ticket, and check out all the presentations. Again, they got the schedule right on there. You can go click and see who's who's who and uh, what you want to watch. Uh, I think that's it tonight, guys. Uh, nothing else? Derek, before we leave? No. Nope, nope, yeah, uh, you're already getting your car keys ready. <laughs> You're draining your beer, throwing your garbage in the trash, wiping the burger juice off your yeah. face, getting your car keys, your putting your worms. boots on. My earthworms, He's yes. got his earthworms ready to go, putting the the lid on his sprouts bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Feets don't fail me now. It's like that kid watching that clock in school. It's almost 3.30. <laughs> Time slows down. Time slows down. So He's got to get up early and go John? to work at the, where is it again, Derek? The, the Quickie Mart. The Quickie Mart. Quickie Mart. Yes. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Can't see it, John, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> we, if you listen, Derek, you can hear Derek shaking his head. <laughs> Uh, if you want to find out more about us, you can find us at paddlingadventuresradio.com. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Download or stream episodes on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Podbean, Player FM, and all your favorite podcast downloading sites. 
If you go to the episode page on PaddlingAdventuresRadio.com, you can listen, uh, stream, or download all our episodes there, all 263 of them now. If you enjoy the podcast, please share it with your friends and family and fellow paddlers. John, thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you. Yes, much appreciated. And uh, yeah, we'll be chatting with you uh, probably later this week. Probably. Eh, Maybe, if we feel like it. (laughs) If we're bored. (laughs) (laughs) It happens. Got nothing else to do. Let's call John. Yeah, hey, what's happening? Nothing. Eh, Let's give John a call. Whatever. (laughs) Click. (laughs) Yeah, John, is your wife there? (laughs) Uh, I want to thank everybody for listening tonight. I'm Sean Rowley. And I'm Derek Specht. We'll see you next time.